Welcome back to the Women in the Business Arena podcast. Every week we dive into juicy topics for women navigating the business arena, leadership, and their personal self-development. We reframe business and life with a more feminine lens to help women find more fulfillment, freedom, and success. I'm your host, Sonia Statman, and as always, I'm joined by my lovely co-host, Laura Shokuzman. Today, we thought we would do something a little fun. We thought, you know, we're always talking about business topics and leadership topics and self-development, and we love that. But we thought maybe today we'd talk a little bit about ourselves. We thought we would share five things that you probably don't know about us and see where we go. What do you think, Laura? (laughs) I love this switch of uh, direction because you're right. Like we're talking about business and we're talking about all these professional topics and we we get personal, but this is a little twist on kind of the unknown things about us. I think it's going to be fun. Yeah, because I think, you know, it's it's interesting because obviously we talk a lot about ourselves on the podcast as it relates to business. And, you know, we've got lots of things we put in social media space, but probably a lot of you don't know some of our deepest and most interesting characteristics. Where should we start, Laura? Ah, yes. Where to start? I don't know. What's your first thing that comes to mind that that people often don't know about you, Miss Sonia? (laughs) Well, I was thinking, I was thinking like one of my sort of indulgences or something I really love is I I really like teen fiction. (laughs) I think it's whenever I go into a bookstore or I go into the library, like I gravitate towards the teen fiction section (laughs) and it always makes me laugh. Like I even have gotten my husband into doing teen fiction, like we'll find series and we'll read sort of these series, you know, like Twilight, which always reminds me of you, Laura. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yes. True confessions of when we were co-living, we both actually really enjoy teen fiction. I go straight to that section as well. I think for me, I love supernatural. I love like future. There's a genre now that is blanking. I'm blanking on, but it's kind of the mystical, right? And um, magical realism. It's it's a thing. I I looked it up because I was like, what is this? Because it's not always supernatural. It's not always in that because, you know, horror vein or, you know, because I love the vampires. We're going to talk about Twilight, but also just things where there's this magic in it, you know, where things are the fiction has this twist to it. And I find that authors who write for teens are often so good in that genre. And it's so fascinating. Yeah. And I always like uh, one of the reasons why I think I like teen fiction is because they're just sweet and like <laughs> like a little bit clean. Yeah. It's not too violent or, you know, too crazy. It's like, it's just kind of like, it feels good. But I always think of the story. So Laura and I just tell the story because it's so funny. When Laura and I were living together and we had our beautiful children who were, you know, sort of becoming sisters and like we were both at the same time reading the Twilight series. And it's so funny because Laura would be in like one room her room and I'd be in my room we'd be reading laying in bed reading books and we had and specifically with Twilight we had a little bit of different feelings about the characters I was an Edward fan Laura was a Jacob fan and so we would always like laugh and scream across the house and be like oh Edward just did this or Jacob just did this and it was really really funny 
But what is the most interesting part of the story is that Laura ended up meeting her partner. This is when we were single. Laura ended up meeting her partner named Jay. And in a lot of ways, reminds me of Jacob. And I ended up meeting my partner, Ed, who reminds me in a lot of ways of Edward. And it's just like the most funny story ever. That is so true. I don't think that you've actually framed it for me in that way, like in a long time. I think I knew that. This is hilarious to think about like how indicative this was of our future. And, you know, you have to imagine like so many of you guys, the listeners can relate, right? You're busy mamas, you're running all day, you're running a business, you're taking care of all the things. And so we would get our girls settled in or they would just be playing in their room and we would each happily creep away, lock ourselves in our room. And it was just this indulgence, you know, like, yes, it's time to read and time to get lost in this story and in this other world. And the Twilight series, they were addictive. You know, you just wanted to keep understanding like what was going to happen, that it, it is so true that I always had the thing for Jacob, you had the thing for Edward, and then we end up with partners and <laughs> like characteristics of this. And so the we, names. I mean, how yes, bizarre, like yes. Jay. Yes, we might actually have to write the author of Twilight. She might need to know about this. That's so funny. Um, And to this day, I actually still have some of the books we bought because we actually were so ready. We would not wait for paperback. This was the time when they were coming out. So we went and bought the hardback books. So I actually have several of our books still sitting on my shelves on you. So we could relive this or we could go, you know, upgrade, sell and go in for the next most popular wife or fiction, where they call it the wife fiction, the youth fiction. Totally. Well, and it's what's really funny because once I moved to Australia, my husband and I actually read them together. So, so it was like I, I brought him into the Twilight series as well. So that can That's be really awesome. fun too. Oh, that is such a good one. <laughs> I know. So I don't know how to segue into the next four months. Like, I know. I so what's something that? that people don't know about you? Okay, so um, something that people don't know about me is that I really am an authentic Texas girl who grew up on a ranch. I grew up on a cow ranch, and by the age of eight, my first pet, other than the little barn cats and dogs that were always around, I had a horse, and I had a Welsh pony, little pony, black and white, named Crystal, and she was my first pet, and I rode horses from the age of eight and grew up on a Texas ranch. And I think so many people that meet me now, they, they're they just like, I can't picture that because everyone knows me from these urban settings because I went on to live in large cities like Los Angeles and Stockholm and Toronto. And, you know, and I'm here in Austin, but I'm a Texas girl at heart riding her horse on the cattle ranch back in the day. <laughs> I love it. I'm I'm just picturing that right now. It's so awesome. And I think that probably lends into something else that people don't know about you, which is how many countries you've lived in. Oh, that's true. Yeah, I started naming the cities. So yes, I have been quite the the traveler and I'm kind of waiting for my kids to get a little bit older and I'm going to do it again. But I um, have lived, see, I was born in Texas, went out to California and then left to go live in Stockholm, Sweden, Brussels, Belgium, Toronto, Canada, and then came back to Austin. And my daughter has lived in more places than that, which is kind of interesting. I have a daughter who's only 18 and she's lived in all those countries, plus New Zealand, England. So we're like a very busy nomadic family, but now we're all settled in Austin for now. <laughs> yes, for now. That's a good yeah. Good but that point. actually, yeah, really shaped me, Sonia. And you and I have that in common now that you've moved um, and lived in Australia. For anyone who's moved out of their dominant culture, it's such a 
fortunate experience. I know that I am privileged to have been able to go and to do those things and to live in so many places. And what it did is it really changed my perception of myself and of the world so that when I came back to the United States, I really wanted to bring so many um, pieces of those cultures and what those countries all had in common for me where they were all socialist countries. And Canada, I'd really gotten into my feminism at that point. So when I came back, I actually kind of give credit to those experiences as helping me start what I then, you know, would become a co-working space because I learned about community and collective mindset and really brought that back to the States. So it's really special. Yeah, it is. So cool. Yeah. So what's your next thing, girl? What's yours? Your next thing? Yeah. (laughs) Something else that people don't know about me. Well, so I went to 13 schools in 12 years. Wow. Yeah. It's a lot. It is a lot. <laughs> so that was that's probably something not a lot of people know about me. My mom constantly switched me in schools. I, I don't know why. I mean, sometimes we moved. Sometimes we, you know, she just decided I should go to a different school. Sometimes we went to a school half a year and we decided we didn't like it. So we went to another school. So I went to a lot of schools and I'm, what, 45 years old. And I think I've lived in 39 homes. So I've also... Wow moved a lot. (laughs) So, you know, and, and like, I think so many people, it was really hard as a kid, obviously, like moving all the time, going to new schools, but it also gave me these amazing skills, right. Of being able to adapt, being able to go into the unknown, being able to be more comfortable in new spaces and new places. And I think because of that, I'm able to venture where, you know, not others go or, you know, take sort of that path less taken and, and try things and experiment more. So it was like this really beautiful benefit. Although at the time I was not quite too happy about it. (laughs) Yes. Yes. Well, it can be so difficult for children, but I've heard many times I've met, you know, adults that reflect back and they say, gosh, it was really hard, but I learned a lot. Or there's a lot about me now. It makes sense that that was my childhood because now I can see how that um, has shaped the way that I can easily adapt or, you know, because I feel like it either kind of leaves um, a shadow or it makes you really resilient, you know, that ability to, to pick up and go. And, and I think that you and I must have something about like our ability to go into new environments because that's how we met each other too. We were both like able to go into a new environment as single parents who wanted to meet other parents like us, but we could have danced around each other for weeks, months. But instead, as soon as we saw each other, we're like, hey, kindred spirit, what's up? Like you look very much like you're kind of into the same, you know, that we were open to to sharing about ourselves right away and started learning about all the overlap that we have. So, you know, there's this adventurous spirit that all of that 39 different homes and 13 different schools, whatever that might have left imprinted on you. Oh, definitely. Look, I don't regret a single thing. Like, it's been really amazing. I am very resilient and I am very adventurous and I am willing to take risks. And I think that's really important when we're running a business because we have to be willing to take risks. And, you know, especially if we're moving into areas that a lot of people aren't moving into or if we're really braving the wilderness, you know, as Brene Brown says, we're able to to have to sort of whack down those woods that are there. (laughs) That takes some some resilience. So, Yeah. yeah. 
Yeah. I think it's really powerful. That's so true. Yeah, that's very much like Braving the Wilderness um, really resonated with me because I do enjoy that piece. And I think that not everyone would say they enjoy that. But for me, it's it's scary and exhilarating at the same time to really go into unknown territory and make a home or meet new friends or build a community. Something very satisfying to me to do it, although I am not immune to the nervousness and the and the fear that comes when you step into those unknown places, you know, and you don't know anyone. Like the first time I moved to Stockholm and Sweden and I'm walking around and my daughter is a year old and I, you know, I cannot speak any Swedish and I'm trying to apologize constantly for my lack of being able to speak the native language. And everyone, you know, was so welcoming and kind, but I just kind of walked the streets of Stockholm with my stroller and, you know, just kind of getting a sense of my surroundings and what people were like and observing and then eventually just approaching people on the playground, other moms that became my like friends the whole time that I lived there. And, it, and it's just, it's a very unique and interesting experience if you have that opportunity to, to walk in to a new space like that. And it's completely different in so many ways, not just a new city within your culture, but a different culture, a different city, different language. Yeah. You learn a lot, I think, about yourself when you're in those situations. Yeah. You do. Yeah. I think that's really important. All right. So what's something else that no one knows about you, Laura? So I've already talked about um, what led me back here to open a co-working space. What some people don't know about is that I am one of the OGs, we call it. I'm one of the original co-working founders. There's a group of us that were like in the first 100 spaces, and um, we still get together at co-working conferences every year. And it's really a cool group to be a part of. And we talk about the movement of co-working and what it meant to like come together back into between the years of 2006 and 2009 and create a shared workspace. And I think it's really like when people talk to me about co-working now, they just kind of assume, oh, yeah, like co-working. I'm sure you just have been doing this for a couple of years. I'm like, no, it's been 11 years. And they're like, whoa, that's like before people knew what co-working was. I was like, yeah, that's why it was so hard. Um, and as you know, because you were there in the very beginning, Sonia, is like we were doing something that nobody knew the definition. So even marketing and trying to talk about like what it meant, what we were doing, we called it a work-life balance center because nobody knew what co-working was, right? We didn't even use that term until like, you know, a year or so later, we tried to use it as it began to emerge. So I think it's kind of a cool thing. I'm very proud of that, that that I started off with something when it wasn't a proven concept, but I followed my heart and I'm still here 11 years later, you know, yeah. as it's grown. And now there's like 20,000 co-working spaces in the world. Isn't that crazy? It's amazing. Yeah. It's amazing. I think it's amazing to be part of a movement. I've always felt like you and I are ahead of the curve, right? Like, yeah. We always like, identify. We always bonded on that. We're like, yes. Yeah. <laughs> like it's like the challenge and like a gift as well. But it's really a challenge when you're sort of in that front of a curve where you you get that there is a, a tide that needs to turn, that there is something that needs to change and shift. And when you're sort of on the front end of that, I mean, we're really like, you know, whacking down the woods, whacking down the trees for the people to follow. And it's a, it's an interesting place. I mean, it kind of reminded me 
as well of like some of the things that I did, like my first business, which was a branding agency, when I went out of the big agency and went into the small agency, you know, just my own, it was an interesting place because it was a time in the world where advertising was so dedicated to men. It was targeting men. It was dedicated to men. At that time, women still weren't considered powerful in the purchasing area. And it was just around the time where like a book, I remember there was a book called Evolution. Yes. That came out. Yeah. Many, like I was like in the 90s, late 90s. It was so inspiring and it was like this thing that really shifted the branding agency that I had with another partner at the time and we were both women owned, we were young, we were like, there wasn't a lot of women owned businesses to like not even close to the degree there is now and we really wanted to shift and change the landscape of how people were marketing because they weren't marketing to women, they were marketing to men, they were still doing, you know, the naked girls like on the cars within the beer ads, you know, like it's like all this like crazy stuff. And so we started educating masculine dominated industries like real estate, our home builders, you know, how to market to women, how to tap into all these women that were now having more purchasing power. They were dictating what was bought instead of just the men, especially around things like home building where, you know, women totally bigger purchases. Yeah. Yeah. And so we were going around and really teaching men how to market to women. And it was such a new concept. Like, it's crazy to think of that now. To think of that, yeah. I mean, now, like, you know, most, uh, so many people are targeting women. But back then, it was just such a new concept. And so, like, they just literally had no idea how to feel, how to think emotionally, how to, you know, target them in a different way. So, yeah, that was a really interesting time as well. And it was on that cusp, right? And I mean, a major change over time. But when you're you're first initiating something that is sort of ahead of the game, you know, ahead of the crowd. Yeah, it takes some effort. Yes. Yeah. And I did really appreciate that about you. And we really connected around that because um, we were both, you know, just very much forward thinkers, kind of always kind of ahead of the curve. And, you know, there's just it's a certain creative mindset that we always had and kind of seeking like, what's the challenge here? Like, how could we create solutions? In order to do that, you do see the problems. You're like the canaries, like they talk about the canaries in the mines, like they're the sensitive ones that can smell whether there's a gas leak or anything. So they start to seeing and then the miners know to get out because there's something, you know, happening. And I feel like, you know, intuitives and creatives were the canaries and we start singing and we start saying like, wow, there's like something that's either wrong or something that we need to fix or we've got the solution and nobody knows really why we're being so adamant about it at the time that we start (laughs) to let that known and it takes time for the consciousness to shift or for the market education you know i still say to this day like the biggest challenge of bringing forth a new business model is simply the market understanding the value of what you're doing and constantly trying to find ways to to convey that. And you were, you know, speaking to people that had made, you know, millions of dollars from marketing to men, and they had to understand why would they change? You know, why was that valuable to understand a woman's needs? Why was it valuable to, you know, consider how she would walk into a store or why she would purchase a house or a car? Like that was just completely new, you know, like bonkers to them. Like, why? (laughs) 
why? Why would we do that? You know, and to be able to bring that confidently, we need each other to be like, yes, you're, you know, keep going. Like, even though they can't see it, you know it. And so just keep going, keep believing in that because you're on to something. Yeah. That's a crazy time period. It's so interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So what's something else personal? Okay. Slipping away from our changing the world topic, we can come <laughs> back to Oh, when I believed I was going to change the world. So I, in high school, um, was very active. <laughs> I was like that one that joined all the clubs and did all the things and joined all the teams. And so I was my senior year crowned homecoming queen. Of and course if you're you <laughs> and if you're in the United States, you know, like that is a big thing in high school. We've got a very big football culture. And homecoming is the game where all the alumni come back and there's a big game with your usual, your biggest rival and everyone's pumped up and they have the school like vote on different, either the homecoming king and queen. And then you have all of these court and they vote and then you get to walk onto the football field in my 1993 purple sequin gown that came all the way. It was like a mermaid gown. It came all the way down. Because, you know, that was what we wore then. <laughs> it's, like, amazing that I actually could walk on a football field of grass and heels with this, like, tight, yeah, sequined purple dress. Oh but I God. did it. That's so funny. <laughs> and to this day, my mom and dad still have my pictures up on the wall. My kids make fun of me. Mm, so <laughs> funny. With my big hair and my crown and my purple dress. So, yeah, you never know what one day is going to come from. I love it. Crowned homecoming queen. Oh my god! I was never homecoming queen, but I did go to five proms. So like, if you're like senior proms, I know I was a bit of a. Did you have that? Were you like rotating and go? (laughs) Well, I did go to three in one year, actually. So I don't. I had a lot of guy friends, and they all wanted to. You know, all invited me to go to their prom. So I was like, sure. So it was a lot of dates, and it's really interesting because I think the last. The last prom I went to, that person who was just a friend when we went to prom, that actually became like one of my partners. And we were together for like four years after that. So, but all the other ones were just friends and it was really interesting. But I got to go to a lot of different proms over the years. So that was really exciting. And I had lots of those sequin dresses. Yes. (laughs) Those were the deal back then. Oh my God. I don't even know. Is that still the deal today? Do people still wear sequin dresses? Now they're kind of in the slip dresses. Like I know when my daughter's looking, they're like very very like, is that a lingerie or is that a prom dress? I'm not sure. <laughs> it's pretty oh simple gosh. and sleek and maybe a little bit of schnazzy, but they're pretty, they're not puffy or very gaudy like they were in the 90s. Oh my gosh, <laughs> but I don't so know. Funny. So the 90s fashion is coming back. I see my daughter wearing so many of my types of, you know, what I would have been wearing in high school and college. So maybe th- we'll see. It might show up in the prom dresses. Mm. You never know. I love yeah. it. Yeah. Let's see. Let's see. What else? What else? How many things have you disclosed about yourself? I have no (laughs) idea now, but (laughs) I was thinking I was I was going to share one of the other things that probably a lot of people don't know about me is is you know I've obviously had this long track record in business over twenty years and lots of different variations of that. You know, I had my coaching business that whole time, but I've also had the Soma Vita, the wellness center. I've also had the branding business as well. Well, probably what a lot of people don't know is for a very short time. Well. 
yeah, it's probably like about half a year. I actually ran a metaphysical school, which is like a totally different thing where I was basically teaching spirituality and meditation and, you know, like how to envision things and, you know, all kinds of really interesting spiritual work. And so, you know, that was a, that was a very interesting time period. I was meditating like three hours a day. I was really doing a lot of internal work. And so, yeah, that's probably just something that not a lot of people know about me. I mean, I've always been on the kind of spiritual journey and the self-development journey, but yeah, that's in particular something that was a very interesting experience. Oh, yeah. That is very cool. I, I don't know if I knew that about you. I mean, I'm not surprised. <laughs> I'm not surprised because this is, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. And I'm like, I wouldn't be surprised if you had like all these different, oh yeah. And I like have a degree in this and I have like a certification in that. Yeah. You've got all the, all the, the, and you and I have that in common too, just like constant learning and, you know, trying to take on more information as much as information as we can. Let's see. I thought of something, um, what was it? And then it went out in my brain kind of as something similar. Was it around like something I've done that nobody would actually guess? Oh, shoot. It's left my brain. <laughs> you yeah, lost it. See, I'm oh, like, no. lost it. Um, but let's see. Something else that people don't know. Oh, I was a lifeguard. Let's see. That was interesting. Um, I still to this day feel like a sense of responsibility when I'm at a, at the pool with all the kids, <laughs> like that I still need to be on lifeguard duty. <laughs> and my son found that out about me. And now he actually thinks that's really cool. He's like, mom, but you were a lifeguard. You know, like if something's out, he's like, mom, there's something happening over there. Like, keep an eye on it. <laughs> We need to give you like a whistle. <laughs> exactly. I just think because, yeah, my son's sick. So that like really boosted me up in his, in his mind. It's like my mom was a lifeguard. Oh, my um, gosh. That's so funny. Yeah. But this is like it's really fun to think about. You know, there's so many things that go into our lives and that become the, the things that lead us to do what we do. And I find that fascinating to think at times there were things that I studied or things that I was drawn to or a job that I had, you know, and at the time it just seemed like, oh, it's this thing I'm doing. But now like being in our forties, being in business and doing all the things that, you know, you can look back now and you see the reason why it's like, oh, that was why I was always really interested, you know, like, oh, I loved family systems. And that's why I studied all these things in school and psychology. And then I went on to be a community builder because it was like the systems are really important to me, not just the individual work and, you know, like all the cool things. Um, I still don't know when I'm going to need to ride a horse, but I'm sure <laughs> at some point. I'm going to need to know that skill set. I know. I love it. Like, I think it's so interesting. And sometimes just tracing back, like I was just thinking as you were talking, like I was really into psychology, even as a child. Like, I think I read my first self-development book at like nine. It was Positive Solitude. I still remember the name of it. (laughs) I love that. (laughs) Like I'm a nine-year-old reading about positive solitude. (laughs) That tells you I'm an introvert, right? Like I even recognized it then. But um, (laughs) yeah, and then I went into psychology in university and I was a psychology major for like four years and then realized, ah, I don't want to be a psychologist and I don't want to teach. So then I went into advertising because it was so interesting and such a big part of psychology involved. And that's what led me into my branding agency. And then being in the branding agency, I was able to coach business owners and that led me into coaching. It's just so interesting when you look at the thread of our lives and how much that leads into our development and who we are. And that's why sometimes I think 
you know, in the moment when we're going through something hard, sometimes it's so hard to be grateful or it's just, you know, we just want to be mad at all or we want to just like resist it all. But man, if we can just sort of have the attitude at what might this situation do to develop me in the future? Like, I think that would be a really interesting perspective because looking back all of my hardship, all of my challenges, like it led me to be who I am today. And I wouldn't take back a single moment for that. Yes. Oh, that is such a good point. That question of like, how is this developing me? How is this, you know, I don't have to understand it all right now, but like just trusting that, like this is giving me something that I'm going to need to know later. I'm going to, it's going to come into my life. And, you know, I was just fortunate enough today to have a, a, a short meeting with a mentoree, you know, just a younger woman who was kind of coming in, you know, asking me like, how did you get started? Like, how did you know what to do when you had all the ideas and, you know, you don't, you just don't even know what that's going to look like. And I, you know, was thinking about you and I and how we got started. And I told her, I said, you know, I did not know that this was going to come to pass. I had no idea what it was going to look like, but I could feel the inspiration of, of the idea. I could feel that something was starting. And Sonia and I, we, everything we did in the beginning was serendipitous. You know, you and I didn't have a business model when we found the location for Soma Vida that would be our co-working space. We actually went and talked to a landlord about that space before we had any money, before we knew what was <laughs> happening. And so I told her, I was like, I want you to not worry so much about having your ducks in a row. Just feel the essence of what you're creating and follow the breadcrumbs. Because I promise you that if you just keep following that, like, what is that thing I need to do or that person I need to speak to? And it really resonated with her because she's like, yeah, I'm getting stuck in my head trying to make it all work out, you know, and I can't take that step forward because I'm trying to get all of the logistics to work. And we can't understand the mystery. Like so many things that we experience in our lives, they're going to come to us and we're not going to always understand why we're experiencing that or why it's happening the way that it is. And, you know, that's the beauty is that you have trust and faith that there's something unfolding and you don't have to know everything right in that moment. Yeah. And it's impossible to know everything. I mean, it's great to have a plan. I don't know. I don't know yes. if I would suggest everyone do it like oh, we yeah. did. Yeah, exactly. I'll, can't I'll really never forget those teach four a business months. class with that. <laughs> yeah. Those four months between like when we decided we're gonna take that space and the and like then we actually were opening. Like I'll never forget like the craziness of those months. But yeah, I think you know, there is so much magic and we can't ever predict how that will happen. And in fact, like sometimes there's more magic when we're willing to see different possibilities and when we're open to the magic happening. If we just take one step in front of the other, then more possibilities open. Um, and I think that's a really important practice. And I think, yeah, that's – if you look back at the thread of my life – I think risk-taking and being willing to jump into the unknown has been a huge part of it. Yeah. Well, this was fun. I liked so this, fun. yeah, kind of memory memory lane and thinking about these personal things that make us who we are now. And hopefully as the listeners, as you all are thinking about your own strands, like just thinking about how those little un, you know, predicted moments have led you to where you are now. And it's really exciting because there's more of those to come. Those are happening still in your life every day. These things are showing up for us to experience. And one day they might be that thing that um, you name as one of the things hardly no one even knows about you. 
Totally. special experience. Yeah. I love it. All right. Well, thank you all for joining us and we'll see you next week. Are you looking for a supportive community of women business owners? Come join us in our free Women in the Business Arena Facebook group. We have honest conversations about how to grow your service business, conduct live Q&As, and support each other as we navigate the world of being a woman in business. You can find us at facebook.com backslash groups backslash women in the business arena. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Women in the Business Arena. We'd love to welcome you into our community. Come join the Women in the Business Arena Facebook group. You can find the link in the show notes. And if you want to learn more about me and my work, you can find me at sonyastatman.com. See you next week.